Man, you guys are great. I had an interesting day yesterday. I got to go to my 30-year church youth choir reunion and got to see some people I haven't seen in a very long time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Some of these people I haven't seen in almost 30 years. But because of the Lord, it was almost like no time had passed. One friend of mine uh, I got to talk to for a while, they just come back from Korea. He's been missionaries in Korea. And I know not too, I can't keep track of time, maybe a couple years ago, they were asking us to pray for him because he was going into dangerous parts of Korea and, and his wife Kathy was afraid he might not come back. Um, and then another friend of mine who is a missionary in China, he's been there 18 years, and I, I thought he was in the Midwest because when I accepted his friend book request, it said somewhere out in the Midwest, but that was just a cover because where he works in China is kind of dangerous. And I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, but he came, he and his wife came to our house and sat down in the living room and we just sat there and stared at each other because where they were, they were afraid that their house was bugged. And so they would kind of whisper to us. And, uh, but it was such a joy to see him. And I, I just want to share with you briefly, I had asked Jeff to, uh, Jeff's such a blessing to put this up on the screen, but he drew this on a plate for me and the symbol for righteousness in Chinese is lamb, which is the top character, over me. And that's righteous. Lamb over me. The lamb over me. The lamb covers me. And, and you know, what's so interesting about it is these characters are, you know, it dates back 3,000 years. I, they're, they're ancient characters. And yet the message is so clear of righteousness. Lamb over me. Lamb covers me. I was telling um, Greg and got emotional. I don't know why it hit me so much, but there was a group of us standing there. One friend of mine who, uh, uh, the missionary to Korea, another missionary to China, uh, probably my closest friend through the years. He's a real nutcase, but he was going to drive to Atlanta that night and speak at some youth conference today. And uh, we're standing there cutting up and this one lady, Angie, comes up to us and she says, look at all these missionaries. And then she laughs and she says, well, I'm a missionary too. And I said, well, where are you at? She said, I'm a public school teacher. And you know, when I told Greg, I just got so emotional and I thought, she gets it. You guys are missionaries too. Where you are. So, um, just wanted to share that with you guys briefly because it was such a blessing uh, to me. To see those different people. And they're actually, I didn't stay, but they're actually singing uh, in the service this morning at my home church. And one of the youth songs from 30 years ago, that was interesting, listening to uh, several of them sing. And, and my missionary friend from China, he was so funny, they kept trying to get him to sing. They said, Walter, you need to come sing. And he said, don't you remember Wally, who's the music minister out there, he says, don't you remember Wally, you made me the narrator. He said, you told me 30 years ago it was because I had such a good voice. He said, now I know better. I know why they make people narrators. So what a blessing. This morning, uh, I want to have a time of graduation recognition. 
just give a couple of moments of challenge to transition. You know, God's people, we're going to be looking in Deuteronomy this morning, and God's people, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Many of them, all they could remember was this guy named Moses, who was a spiritual hero to them, who guided them as they wandered. At times, they must have felt wandering aimlessly in the desert, headed to a place for so many years, headed to a promised land. And uh, we got some people here today who may feel like they've been out 40 years wandering in order to get uh, through to the promised land. But uh, the promised land has arrived in their lives in the form of what we call a diploma <laughs> graduation. And I, before we move on to the message, I'm going to have Eric come up here. We want to give just a simple gift of recognition to some special folk among us who have made that transition. This one on? All right. If um, Laura and George Link and uh, Lydia, if you all could come up here, please, and Curtis. Uh, we have four graduates, uh, Laura, uh, George Link, and uh, Lydia. And we have uh, Miranda, too, but uh, she's unable to be here with us this morning, so I want to pass her gift off to uh, her uh, soon-to-be husband, Curtis. Uh, as true as in many things, uh, milestones in our lives also mark transition points. And that seems uh, doubly so for uh, George and Laura as they're not also uh, not only graduates now, but they're also husband and wife, uh, what, about a month and a half now, or a very short time ago. So for them, I um, got a couple of books. Uh, one is for, it's, it's titled, entitled For Men Only, and it's a straightforward guide to the inner lives of women. And the next one is, for women only, what you need to know about the inner lives of men. And um, I thought this would be a, uh, we've studied these things, I studied these things in seminary, the importance of biblical manhood and womanhood. And I thought uh, no better gift than uh, at the beginning of their marriage than to try to give them something that would help them understand each other and grow closer to each other. So here are these for you two. For Lydia, she uh, graduated high school here recently. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up a little bit. George graduated with his degree in uh, manufacturing engineering technology with a specialty in robotics. And Laura graduated with her master's in uh, early childhood education. So uh, both from ETSU. Now, Lydia, she graduated high school recently. And she's getting ready to head to college. And I thought, what do you give somebody like and I come to learn a little bit about Lydia and she's incredibly smart and, and wants to change things. I can I can look into her head and see that. And I bought uh, for her uh, a Christian manifesto by Francis Schaeffer. And what this book is is basically a challenge to everybody to live out Christian to live our Christian lives to change things. Not only just to go along to get along, but to try to change things too. So that's what I got for her this morning. And uh, as I got to know Miranda, Miranda graduated uh, from Northeast State with an associate's degree in uh, accounting. And as I've gotten to know Miranda over the past five months or six months, however long it's been, 
Um, she had an incredible passion to um, change people as well. But she likes doing that one or two people or three people at a time. And so I got for her, I got the book, uh, The Power of Mentoring, uh, Sharing People Who Will Shape the World. Or I'm sorry, Shaping People Who Will Shape the World. And I think because uh, that can be an incredibly um, difficult task if you're not ready for it and if you don't really understand how to do it. And so this book is uh, just one book of many. So this is what I got for her. And Curtis? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Eric. Um, I'm proud of you. That's an accomplishment. I was I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who um, he, uh, we were talking about the fact that half a life showing up. How many people just don't show up? So you guys have already shown up. You've gone that far. Keep plugging on. To give you a challenge today. I'm going to go through the book of Deuteronomy. Well, that could be a long sermon, couldn't it? And first couple chapters of Joshua. Actually, we're just going to briefly look at some verses with the challenge of creating a legacy. Seeking to be a person who changes the world that's around you. To be not one who is merely influenced, but to be one who influences. And, and I basically want to hopefully... Really emphasize, as you leave here, two big points. The first point is, someone is watching you. And the second point I want to give a lot of emphasis to is someone is watching over you. And so uh, we're going to look at one one verse as a verse to, to read and then to pray as our practice we want to Pay honor and tribute to God by standing in His honor. As I read aloud a text. And we'll look in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of our God. As I read from Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. To humble you. And to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep His commands. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you, we are really just grateful for George and Laura and Miranda and Lydia. and Grateful, Lord, that they love you. And Father, um, I, I just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you. To speak. Uh, Lord, I ask that you uh, give this message a flow, Lord, that it doesn't be uh, jump around and, and not have a sense of flow. Father, that um, there'll be a real sense, Father, of, uh, of your presence here this morning. And so, Father, we need you, we love you, we cry out to you, have your way as we continue to worship you this morning, God. Just come, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. As you look through the book of Deuteronomy, seven 
15 times there is the word remember. It, it is critical, guys, that we don't rush through life and forget what matters. It is critical that we practice this concept of thinking about what matters, remembering. Um, as, as, so I come to that first point. Someone's watching you. Let me start out uh, with the fact that people are watching you. You know, it says in this verse, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. He led you through the wilderness. He led you through the wanderings. Remember how He led you. Why did He lead you? It says, to humble you and to test you. (laughs) Hey guys, so you have a proper understanding of who you are and who God is, where you fit into all this. To humble you and to test you. Why? In order to know what was in your heart whether or not you'd keep His commands. God is interested in the heart. Man, I loved listening to Roy this morning. Isn't he a blessing, guys? What a, what a blessing to Kingsway. And, and I just love you, Roy. I, I love that passion. I, I, I love uh, this race car idea. And I love your heart. As, as you started to weep and you said, God's not hung up on outward appearance, but He loves the heart. Man, I love that about you. I love that heart. Here, as we look at this text, as Moses is speaking to the people, he's the main spiritual leader these people have known. This generation has seen 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, there were great many who had died. The thing they remembered more than anything out there as far as ceremonies goes was funerals. There were a lot of funerals as many had died. And and as he was out there, as he was sharing, and, and he said to remember, he said, guys, God is He's concerned with a heart test for you. If your heart's right, if if you're willing to to follow Him. And you know what? People are watching you and people, they know. They know whether you're putting on a show or whether you're real. I guess as the years go by, my, my dad has been gone for over 20 years. And I think I love him more now than when he was here. My dad worked three jobs as I uh, through my childhood. My sister was uh, she's fifteen years older than I am. When I graduated kindergarten, she graduated college. But my dad worked so hard to help pay for her to go to college, help help pay bills. And my mom was sick, and he tried to care for her. He tried to watch me. He didn't have time with three jobs and. Yeah, this is trouble. I, I remember one friend of mine at this uh, reunion, he said, Todd, you know what I remember about you, man? I said, what do you remember about me? He said, you didn't care what anybody thought about you. I thought, I don't know if that's good or not. What did I do? He said, man, you were crazy, you know. And, but anyway, I thought of Dad. You know, Dad wasn't able to watch me. Mom was sick. She wasn't able to watch me. But you know, the one thing I knew without a shadow of a doubt was they loved me. I mean, Really? I remember Dad, he would do this stuff, he'd work these jobs. Uh, I had an aunt who was was an alcoholic and, and she abandoned her family and, and uh, my parents took in uh, one of her sons and Skipper and Skipper lived uh, with my family. 
And uh, I remember my dad's funeral. Skipper's brother was there. And at my mom's funeral not too long ago, Skipper's brother Danny was there. And, and there was that connection. And anyway, as, as I go on, and you know, many people in the town, I go on with more stories, but many of the people in the town knew my dad because my dad was one of those people. It was so funny, when I was a kid, I used to hate it because he was supposed to pick me up and he was always at least 30 minutes late and I knew what the answer was going to be. Sorry, son, I ran into somebody I know. Well, when you know half of the little town, there's not much hope for ever somebody picking you up, you know? And uh, he's just a simple man. Didn't have any degrees. He graduated from the eighth grade. Didn't really have any sense of trades. He just worked in a factory. But man, do I love him. Um, and I miss him. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I brought uh, this coat this morning because this was my dad's coat. It hangs in the closet and I might wear it once a year. But I want it. Because every time I look at it, I I remember my dad. And I remember the impact uh, of my dad in my life. My dad was a good man. But what I don't remember is him being a godly man. There's a difference. You can be a good person who people respect and they're watching you and they look to you and that is admirable. But as the Lord began to work in my life, I realized as much as I love my dad and as much as I think of him as being a good man and I want others to see me hopefully as a good man, but I want more. I want others to see me as a good and a godly man. And, and, and listen, guys, my challenge to you, and really my challenge to everybody here, is that God would do a work in our lives where others would not only see us as being good people, but as being godly people. And there are a number of verses here, and um, I want to just kind of march through Deuteronomy, looking at these briefly, that, that tell us to remember, and I just want to briefly touch upon what we're called to remember. First uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse... 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when He said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. What's Moses saying? He said, remember the moment that you made a decision, you, you, you said before the Lord, today I will choose life and I will choose to follow you with my life. He said, remember that day. And he said, not only remember that day, but tell your kids. Communicate that to your family and to your loved ones. Respect God. May your life be a show, a sign, a display of respect to the Lord God. That you respect Him. That you honor Him. That was the first thing we're told to remember. Uh, now turn to five fifteen, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 
Secondly, he wants to remind the people. He says, remember that at one time, guys, you were slaves and God has set you free. Now, I'll put that in terms that we understand through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, He wants you to remember that you are free in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I challenge you, remember that. Remember that you are fully, 100%, totally free in Jesus Christ. Free because you're fully loved. Free because He's paid the price. You're free. And He says, remember that. Okay, let's march on here. Uh, 7 verse 18. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to you to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. He says, remember that I'm protecting you. Remember that you, when you walk with me, and sometimes we do stupid things and self-inflicted wounds, but he's saying, walk with me close. Stay near and remember that whatever you face, and I know you're going to face some junk because life has it. It says that a friend loves at all times and a brother's born for adversity in Proverbs 17, 17. So we all have adversity that comes our way, but he says, remember that it's filtered through me. So that's what he's saying to the people. Remember that. This happens because God's aware of it and He has some plan you can't grasp. But remember it. And then 8.18. This is a fascinating verse to me. <laughs> but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. Do you have a job? Are you successful at your job? God gave you that ability. That's what He's saying here, man. If you're good at what you do as a profession, as a vocation, it's because God gave you that ability. Remember that. Remember that He is the source of that, guys. He's the source of that ability. Um, chapter 9, verse 7. Remember this and never forget how you provoked the Lord your God to anger in the desert. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. What's he saying here? He's saying, remember, as painful as it is, there is a benefit to remembering your past mess-ups. The times you were rebellious. Don't forget there is a purpose to history, it's so you won't do the same stupid thing again. Remember that. That's what he tells them. Remember that. And I think that I think that's critical. Uh, 25, 17 through 19. We're almost through here. I just wanted to mention these few. Of course, this isn't all the verses, but uh, 25, 17 through 19 reads, Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. (laughs) He's saying, don't forget that no matter where you are, no matter what you face, that you are victorious. Don't forget that. You're not a loser. If you are God's kid, you are a winner. Don't forget that. That's critical stuff. And the last one, Verse thirty, uh, chapter 32, verse 7. 
Where does the time go? It's easier for me than you. You guys have to listen. Uh, Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders. And they will explain to you. Remember God's faithful. If you're going through a tough time now, remember that He got you through another tough time or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be alive now. He got you through it. That He's faithful and He'll get you through it again. Now, we're, not, we're, we're told here that someone's watching you. Just like I was watching my dad. People are watching you, okay? But not only are people watching you guys, the reason I read all this is we need to remember God is watching you. We forget that. But how much would that impact our lives if before we did something, we consciously thought, God's watching me. He's watching me. Uh, I read a story that happened in a school. They were going through a lunch line. And you know what, guys? I'm going to have to get some Kleenex up here. You got me going, Roy. I have to blame you. And now, But anyway, they were in this lunchroom. They're going through the line, and there was this basket of apples. And it said on the apples, take only one. God is watching the apples. Then as you go through the line, at the end of the line, there was a basket of cookies. And some smart aleck had written on the basket of cookies, take all the cookies you want, God is watching the apples. (laughs) Isn't that funny? But you know what, guys? God's big enough to watch it all. And He watches us. He watches us. Uh, okay, I've got to move on to this next one since it's already past 12 here. Uh, next, not only is God watching you, He is watching over you. Uh, turn me to Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy 34. We see that Moses, he's climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho, there the Lord showed him the whole land, all these people that that had been conquered. Um, uh, you know, there were the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Termites and the... Uh, Joe Kitchett, the Termites. It wasn't really the Termites. I'm just trying to be, fun. I'm trying to be funny. Uh, but anyway, he conquered these people. And now he's not going to enter the promised land. As a matter of fact, as we read through here, we see that God tells him, you're not going over. <laughs> he says, uh, the Lord said to him, said to Moses, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. And we go on, we read, it says they buried him. Nobody knows where he's buried because there's... Lord knew people would be tempted to worship Him because that's who they had known and they loved Moses. Here was a guy and, and he had been the voice of God for these people. This is all they had known. When they thought of God, they thought of Moses. When they thought of what God was like, they thought of Moses who was known as the most humble, gentlest man in all the earth. And he was gone. And it was depressing. And, and people were worried. Moses is gone. How can we go on? How can we step out? How, how can we continue without Moses? As A.W. Tozer wrote, though, he said, when a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. 
When a man of God dies, nothing of God dies. Moses was gone, but God wasn't gone. And I don't know what it may be in your life. You're facing some kind of tragedy. You're facing some kind of crisis. And you're screaming out to God and you don't know where He is. But guess what? When that goes, that doesn't mean God goes. God is there, guys. He is there. Somebody's watching over you. As we read on, there was one waiting in the wings, one that was trained named Joshua, who God would use. He gives this speech to the people in Joshua chapter 1. In verse 13, Joshua, as he's speaking to the people, he says, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord of God, the Lord your God, is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Man, I love it. God doesn't just have to work in one way and through just one specific person. He's raised up another person to continue the work. Moses is no longer there, but here's Joshua. And Joshua, man, he's not full of himself. He's scared. He's afraid. He's ready to step into new territory. But he says, remember Moses. Remember God's promises, guys. And charge! Man, I, you know, I, I just love it. I love the confidence. And, and he's afraid. He doesn't know what those termites look like on the other side. But he, he knows God is with them. That God is watching over them. That God is there and that He has promised victory. And so there's victory there. Uh, I read a, a story as I was praying for the message of a guy that was tutoring uh, this young man who was a high school student named John. John was blind, and uh, so this tutor said, uh, tell me, have you been blind from birth? What's your story? He said, when I was 13, some chemicals got into my eyes and blinded me. He said, for six months, I was filled with self-pity. I just sat up in my room and cried. He said, finally, after six months, my dad came up there and said, John, I'm sick of this. Winter's coming soon. You need to get out there and you need to hang the storm windows. And he walked out of the room. And John said, who does he think he is? Telling me to do that? He said, that's stupid. He said, not only is he going to have a blind son, but he said, I'm going to get up on that ladder and fall down and then he's going to have a paralyzed son. But he said, I got so mad I did it anyway. So I stumbled out to the garage and I looked around and I found the ladder and somehow I managed to get the tools. And he says, I don't know how, but somehow I was able to do the job. I was able to hang those storm windows. And what I found out later was that during all of that work, during all of that struggle, my dad was never more than four or five feet away. The whole time he had been near me, just in case something went wrong. Guys, you may feel like God's nowhere around, but He's only a little bit away. He's close. And I want to tell you, as you get ready to step out, as you get ready to go to this next transition, God is with you. He's there. Someone is watching over you, And that is the Lord God, and you can trust that. As we go over to Joshua 3, uh, they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan River, getting ready to enter the Promised Land. Now, remember here, 
scholars think there was up to 2 million people there. So we had a lot of people getting ready to cross the Jordan River. (laughs) And 2 million are getting ready to uh, go across this area to fight a major battle. The lodge on the east side of the Jordan, it's harvest time. The, The river during that time of the year, it could be anywhere from 200 yards across to two miles across. It's a strong current. <laughs> and uh, as they get ready to cross over, God gives them some commands. So turn me to Joshua 4. We're almost at the end here. It says, uh, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Here are the people. Hopefully they they understand someone's watching them. Someone that's around them. That God's watching them. Someone's watching over them. Lord God's watching over them. Brought them through all this difficulty. Now they've got to go through this fast-moving water in the Jordan River. And He tells them to place a big stone upon their heads as they cross over in the river. Why? Because they're to have a reminder of the faithfulness of God in their lives. You see, this is a new generation. They had forgotten many of the old reminders of the previous generations. They needed to start a new mark. They they needed to understand that God was with them personally, not stories of the past. They needed a a present source of God's here. And and so my challenge to you guys is you set out and you're starting in a new part of life. Look for God's presence. Look for those little reminders that, you know, I brought dad's jacket. I don't know what they'll be because I don't know how God's going to lead you because we walk by faith, not by sight. So I can't give you a detailed list, but he will be there and there will be those reminders. I remember for years, uh, a couple of years in high school, I was a busboy at, at a steakhouse and uh, I was doing scripture memory and uh, pouting. I don't know how much good the scripture memory was doing me because I was saying, poor me, this is really busy and I'm really suffering and all that stuff. Well, some guy comes up to me and he hands me a note. And so I had to go into the back of the restaurant and I opened the note and it said, I know you, you are not alone, I'm watching you and I love you. And I thought, what is this? And I went out and there was no one there. And I actually carried that note in my pocket until it fell apart. Now I wish I'd had sense enough to not carry it in my pocket and put it somewhere where I might still have it. But it was a memorial of God's presence. And I felt in my heart that God was trying to say to me, I'm here! I'm watching over you. And I'm watching you and other people are watching. Quit your grumbling. Get your act together. Let people see me and know I love you. Know I'm with you. And, And my challenge to you guys is the same God's there. 
follow him. Follow him. All right, uh, this is a message not just to graduates. I guess it's a message to all of us. We have a time of response. The altar's open. Maybe God has spoken to you and you need to come and you need to pray this altar. Maybe you need to come before the body of Christ and God's gotten a hold of your heart and you need to share with God's people what He's doing in your life. The altar's open. Maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ and found forgiveness. You've never, as we say, been saved. Because, man, we are headed. We are headed to hell, which is the place without God, which is a place of torment, unless we are forgiven, unless we are saved by Jesus Christ. I can't do that. Only Jesus can do it. And only you can pray and bow your heart. No one else can do it for you. As someone has so wisely said, there's no grandkids in heaven. Only kids. Are you his kid? You can trust Him now. You can ask Him to come in your heart and forgive you. And you can come share that with a body here. I'd love to pray with you. Anyway, this altar is open. Uh, We'll have a quick prayer. Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's come as God calls. Let's pray. God, we love you. Uh, Speak, Lord. Continue to speak and help us respond and be obedient to you, O God. Uh, May we come as you call. In your name we pray. Amen.